Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Did you know that 98% of people say that they would attend church if invited by a friend, yet only 2% of churchgoers say they're actively inviting? Reach was started to change this stat to give people a better way to invite. Reach equips congregations to invite friends in a powerful and scalable way. For every check-in on Facebook and tag on Instagram, a donation is made to a kingdom-building cause. More people hear about church from their friends and more good is done around the world. It's that simple. Reach is offering a special promotion for Church Planner Podcast listeners. Get your first month free. To get started, just visit causely.com forward slash reach and sign up using the promo code podcast. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of freaking me out. I'm I'm watching this, and you're you, you, I hear your voice, and I'm looking at you on the uh, on the screen, and your mouth's not moving, and I'm I'm like, wow, pizza ventriloquist. So should I do this next time? <laughs> Absolutely, It'd be like a, a a real life jib jab. Sometimes I like to pretend that this isn't audio only; that this is video. And so I'm making faces at Peyton that none of you get to enjoy. That's all I'm saying. All I can say is Pete has forever traumatized me with the amount of jib jabs he sent me, particularly the one of the guy in his boxer shorts doing obscene things with a towel. It wasn't obscene. He was just <laughs> drying himself. It, it is unless I'm your wife. <laughs> that was a birthday jib jab. <laughs> can these guys even be saved? <laughs> Why didn't I put that in a soundbite? Why? Oh, uh, share your special soundbite. <laughs>
Uh, all right, guys. Uh, see if you can figure out who this is. Is this Pete Mitchell? This is Nigel calling for Pete Mitchell. Pete, it's Nigel. Please call me back. It's important that I speak with you, Pete. <laughs> and who was it? Drum roll, please. What I love is that, that was you, and you're like, who is that? Who is that? I'm like, it's you, you idiot. It's you. I I, I don't know you save it. Didn't you save one where I sang a big song to you once? I don't know about the song, but this is my favorite sound clip. My next book is going to be called I Wish I Had Listened to Pete. Bam! Bam! so wrong! That is forever immortalized on the Church Planner Podcast. I wish I had listened to Pete Mitchell. Dude, what I love is, uh, for those of you who don't know, you were listening to the Church Planner Podcast, and we do a little thing here at the beginning we like to call Smack Talk. Which is-, which is purely selfish, and we do it to entertain ourselves. And then we give you the good stuff for free at the end. So, like, what are you complaining about? And if you want your money back, we'll be happy to give it to you. Now, let's get back to the smack talk. My favorite – so we got this thing called Bivo Inner Circle, which you can find all about at BivoInnerCircle.com. By and- the way, today's episode is also brought to you by BivoInnerCircle.com. <laughs> Wait, what was that, Peyton? Was that BivoInnerCircle.com? Dot com. Okay, all right. And uh, so we got a, a husband and wife that are in the, the Bible Inner Circle, Stephanie and Tim. And we mentioned Stephanie on the podcast. And then all we do is refer to Tim as and her husband. And so he like chimes into the podcast. He's like, yeah, I love how I don't even get my name men- uh, mentioned on the podcast. I'm just Stephanie's husband. Well, yes, Tim, that's that's it. Uh, you, that's how it works, man. Welcome to the pecking order. You now feel my pain. You make me feel like a natural husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so um, what did you have happen to you this last week? Oh, my gosh, dude. I had the worst experience. Not only was it a bad experience, it also proved to my wife what, what a sissy I am particularly in the face of supernatural things. And now, keep in mind, and I know to you, Pete, this is crazy talk, but keep in mind, I've been in exorcisms. You know, I've seen things that that are not cool at all in ministry on the supernatural level. I grew up in a house where things went bump in the night. Supernatural things are not foreign to me. But I got to tell you, if it's something out of an 80s, you know, supernatural scare film, I'm like a little girl, man. Like, ng, ng, ng. that's how my reaction was. So, okay, so my girl, right, my four-year-old, she can't sleep without the light on. And we've got right now, because my house flooded, we've got both the little girls in a double bed at the place that we're staying while the work's being done. So so, so my my daughter has wicked pillow head. So she has this this hair that when she wakes up, it's big. It's like Medusa. It's it's giant. If you ever saw um So I Married the Axe Murder, remember when oh, you know Mike Mike Myers is like, Oh, look at the size of the melon. It's like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> wait, wait, let's if we're gonna do that one, we gotta do it right. I'm not kidding. It's like Spudnik. <laughs> it's an orange on a toothpick. Head down now. now. Head pants now. 
So, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> Every millennial out there has no idea what we're talking <laughs> no, about. No, at all. You should have seen me training church planners this week. All these references were going right over people's heads <laughs> that were like, you know, in their thirty, you know, maybe thirty years, maybe maybe right around the thirty. Everyone else was getting it and laughing. It was great to be over forty. Sorry, in sorry. My training. Here's an, you. You got me on one of the greatest movies ever made. So I married an axe murder. Here's a great line from the movie. Marry me. No. Please? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it worked for you, Pete. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. That was just so funny. She says no, and he goes, please? <laughs> Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. So here we go, right? So <laughs> so, uh, so my, my, my daughter, I- I'm watching TV. The wife and I are watching TV, and we're watching the, uh, you know, the the murder of Lacey Peterson, which is kind of oh, yeah. creepy, because yeah. you know it reels you in, and you're there. Now I don't get scared. I'm Karate Man. I don't get scared of, uh, you know, people murdering because I have short man syndrome, so I can take everybody right in my own head. I I'm not afraid of you, uh, Scott Peterson. I'll kill you, right? So I can take everybody in my head. So. Here's the deal. Just, just I, tell I'm, me, should I be playing the Ghostbusters theme music right now? That's all I want to know. Yes. <laughs> because it, my mind did weird things when this happened. Because what happened was, you know how like your, your subconscious picks up on something right before your conscious mind does? Out of the corner of my eye, I, I have this strange thought like, there's a hobgoblin on the side of my bed. And and what had happened is she had snuck in to the room and she always comes to me. In the morning, it's me. You know, this little bony hand comes and and, and it, you know, grabs my shoulder, touches me, daddy. You know, always me. Never, never mom. She's like, I'm not even wasting time with that. You know, that dad's the light sleeper, which is ironic because I was a, a total knockout sleeper before I had kids. Now if my kid, probably because of her breathing problems, you know, like I learned to sleep light, man. I was like, what was that? You know, slightest thing. I could hear my daughter in the in the midst of a deep sleep. I could hear her struggling to breathe and I flew out of bed, man. That, that's a skill I developed. But here's the deal. She just goes over and she <laughs> she stands on the side of my bed and she must have like crouched down. She's, she's tiny. She's short, right? She's about the size of a hobgoblin. But... <laughs> But she, you're calling your I, daughter a hobgoblin. I it's swear to you, my mind created a hobgoblin instead of my daughter, right? Logical people would be like, oh, that must be one of my children. But my mind is split second before my conscious realized because it was dark in the room. And, and it was like, uh, you know, there's darkness. And then when someone's standing in the darkness, they're almost like a blacker shape. I don't know how to put it, but a solid object is a more solid, you know, it's a, it's a darker shape in the dark. And so what happened was, I guess my subconscious made out the outline of her with this big head, you know, of hair. And my mind went to this 80s film I saw in the 80s, um, which was probably really a 70s. I don't remember. I think it was called like They Live or something. I, I'll find out what it is. But it it was this this couple moves into this house and the husband's always away on trips and these little hobgoblins in hoods 
come out of the walls at night. They have like a secret opening and they try to drag her down into this pit that goes straight to hell. Do you remember that movie? No. They did a remake of it like a couple years ago. And I saw this thing when I was a kid and I only saw a few minutes of it and it traumatized me. I mean, and it's funny, I'm 44 years old now. I must have seen that thing like 38 years ago. And I'm, I'm, it's still in my psyche because that's what I think is standing at the side of my bed because all through it, she's trying to tell everybody there's hobgoblins living in the wall. And, and her husband's like, Oh no, no, there's not. You know, he gives her quaaludes and, you know, has her see a shrink and, uh, at the end they drag her down through the wall, you know, to hell. So I'm, <laughs> I'm watching this movie and I go, I, it just, I hear this daddy. Like that. And I go, like that. I mean, I flew out of that. I mean, I jumped. And it was like, my wife is like, my daughter, I shock her so bad that she starts crying. And because, I mean, I scream. And my wife, like, she looks and she starts laughing, like, what's wrong with you? And I'm, my adrenaline's going. And I, all I can think to say is, I thought she was a hobgoblin. <laughs> How do you explain that? I thought she was a hobgoblin. Oh, my gosh. That's it, man. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. Hey, uh, have you seen the commercials for that? Well, you don't have TV, so I don't think you have. Uh, the new remake of Stephen King's It with the creepy, creepy yes. clowns. That's uh, I so want to watch out on Halloween. You know they're doing a special showing where everyone has to come dressed up as a clown. Are you serious? There is no way I would ever go see that with a room full of clowns. Clowns are right up there with, I don't know, the most scariest things that I can think of. They are pretty bad, dude. They are pretty bad. That's what your story reminded me of. I think you should go see that with the clown audience. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, that that I could handle. You know, cr- clowns don't freak me out, but uh, man, I am clowns, telling how, you, how 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 is that possible? I, the clowns. I mean, I'm cool. Dolls with knives, way you know, like that, and more eels. How about I, a did, clown doll being held by a little person dressed up as a clown? What? <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's all kinds of spooky, man. I'm just saying you might as well just kill me right now. Hey, did you see the stinking movie on... I mean, did you listen to any of the stuff on our Bible (laughs) Inner Circle when people were talking about... It it started with bear stories, right, from our podcast last week. I don't even remember what we talked about. I'm, like, getting all these messages. You know what bear means? Look it up in the Urban Dictionary. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't even know what I said, let alone what any of this stuff supposedly means but yeah i the uh oh the, my gosh what are you dude, doing you gotta go that, what's that what are you doing you gotta go no i no i'm trying to find what this movie was from the 70s <laughs> stop with I'm, your movie eight most terrifying tiny monsters from the 80s i i think oh no i uh, i have anti-porn software and it won't go there i don't know what in the heck it thinks it is like Eight most terrifying tiny monsters and won't let me go to that site. So, <laughs> well, trust me, if if the porn filter's telling you not to go there, that's probably a well, good thing. So, 
so I guess like this is a thing. Like this is a thing online. Like I'm looking right now and like I put goblins living in walls. Apparently there's <laughs> there's a lot of people that think they have goblins living in their walls in America and they're posting all about it. I'm not making this up, dude. <laughs> I know you're not making this up. How is this news? Goblins in my basement is one. Goblin <laughs> goblin encounters making the most out of small spaces. Goblins? Your ghost stories. Dude, people are freaks. You're the one who called your daughter a hobgoblin and you're saying people are freaks? Hey, all I'm saying is this this must be like the the reptilian craze where people actually believe this. I knew that the hobgoblin was really my daughter, like within a split second. After you scared in her my to death defense and made her cry. I I know. I, I still feel bad about that. Yeah. Yeah. How did Libby take on all? She was asleep. Are you she all in the same up. room or do you have separate rooms? Separate rooms. We were in a hotel room together for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then then we had this. You didn't see it, man. We had like this mansion on the bluff overlooking the ocean that was uh, Airbnb. It, it was pretty special. Airbnb. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> nice. I'm telling you, man, it was it was rad. It had a Pac-Man machine. I think I told you. I rediscovered my love for Burger Time. Do you remember that game now? I see you don't remember this stuff. I do. You're, you're a little bit younger. Yeah. Remember Burger Time? Yeah. That was like the best game ever. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, so I learned things you should never say to your pastor when his wife just has major surgery. Uh, suck it up, buttercup. That's what I said. No, you didn't. I said, this is after church. I walk up to him. I go, just tell your wife to suck it up. He's like, yeah, I should just tell her to rub some dirt on it, right? She has, <laughs> like, your pastor's rad. I know, right? Because he deals with me. <laughs> like, he's got, you know, his wife just has major surgery for I don't even know what, but it was, I guess she's had cancer in the past, and she doesn't have cancer now, but there was something that they needed to go and uh, and take care of. And, and that, that, that was my response to him. Hey, just tell her to suck it up, man. But why should you never say that if, if he appreciated it and returned the humor? I just, I figured it was the appropriate thing to say. It was. Yeah. It totally was. Yeah. yeah. Too soon? Too soon? Well, as she, long as you followed up with a good too soon, you're all right. You're golden. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've learned from Pete Mitchell. She finally came to uh, the church this last Sunday. And uh, I, I go, you know, this whole, uh, uh, you being, you know, not well right now, I go, it's, it's totally not cool. I go, you got four kids to take care of. She goes, four? Oh, you mean Justin, too. <laughs> her husband. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what I mean. What you need to do is just when you see her, as long as he can hear you, just go, hey, buttercup. That's it. <laughs> that's all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I, you know, I had so many great stories to tell you, and I don't remember a single one of them. I don't. Well, I think my hobgoblin story kind of sucked all the oxygen. I think you kind of left it on a high mark, and there's really no way anyone can compete with that. I wish I had a hobgoblin sound effect. I, I don't quite know what they sound like, so, you know. Hobgoblin sound effect? Yeah, I don't know, man. I What does a hobgoblin sound like? I have no idea. But maybe I we should actually know. just get into our topic then. What is today's topic, by the way? Today's topic is, do we have them? Do we have them? Uh, a hobgoblin sound effect? Mm, Yoda. Maybe a hobgoblin sounds like Yoda. I don't like have Yoda. Yoda in the soundboard. Oh, man. We need to get that back. No, we used to have that. Here's what I have. It's not Yoda, 
It's as good as I got. Hey, this is Lance Ford, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planting with the two greatest metrosexual hosts in church planting world that you'll ever meet. I was very kind of him. Um, uh, not true at all, but very kind of him. Of like anyone who's, so. who's not a metrosexual, it would be the two of us. Like, we're not even on that scale. No. No, I don't even know what it means. I know that it means you're a pretty man. But other than that, I don't really know how you would get to be like that. I mean, I I shave like my my toiletry kit is like a Spartan. It's like uh, a razor, which almost never gets used. Um, hair clippers, deodorant, toothbrush, and toothpaste. And if I'm fancy, I throw in some some lotion for my face every ten years. Wow, you lotion and your face. About every 10 years, wow. I, I buy one, and it sits there for about seven years, and then I throw it out. Yeah, yeah. I don't have cologne. It's my natural scent. If you're around me and you think, Peyton, you, you smell nice, it's my natural scent. That's what I say. I'm Brian Anderson. You've been listening to Pete and Peyton, two guys that definitely need surf lessons. That's all I'm saying. I do, as a matter of fact. That is true. In fact, I just asked somebody if he would give me surf lessons and it feels like asking someone out on a date when you do that. Like there's a lot of like, you got to humble yourself to say, will you, will you give me surf lessons? Cause you know, like, you know, they're going to, it's like asking someone to help you move. It's boring for them. And, uh, they're like, I want to go shred it, brah. Right. And they, they can't, they gotta be with you. It's a weird day for me. Come on, give me a break. It's, it's a weird day. Could you like shut up and give us the money? <laughs> so, let's, so the topic today. Yeah, there is, we go. Let, there we go. Let's just there it work is. right into the topic. So the topic today is church planting training centers. What would they look like? What would you have to do in order to make them like a training hub like Ephesus? This is this is something that that's very, very close to my heart. If you were to ask me, Peyton, what's the next thing? In the world of church planning, what is the next thing on the horizon? What would I have to start doing to get ahead of the curve? Um, this would be it. This is where I think it's all heading. And transition. Okay. All right. <laughs> so thank you for throwing me the ball, Pete. I have caught it. And I'm going to run now with this ball. And I'm going to score a touchdown. So here we go. Um, training center. So if you go into to Paul's missionary journeys, you start off and you see that 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 Paul starts off. He does his first missionary journey, doesn't put a lot of forethought into it. He goes out with Barnabas. They take John Mark along. That's Barnabas's nephew. And the two of them make it. John Mark goes home pretty early on. And uh, Paul and Barnabas do it. But, you know, a year later, they're sitting around at home. And uh, they get reports that Galatia's not doing well. So they, Paul fires off his letter to the Galatians. It's fiery, but he knows, you know, there's probably more problems. And so in Acts, they, he says, hey, let's go back and strengthen the churches uh, that we planted. And so it really is not meant to be in the beginning a strong um, <clears throat> church planting venture. It becomes one. But Paul gets more strategic. When he visits the places he's been, he recruits people like um, Timothy and others, um, Silas. He, he starts bringing people with him 
and depositing them in other places that he visits so that they can carry on the work of strengthening and establishing and discipling. And so he realized that he didn't really have a game plan on his first missionary journey to um, to make sure that the churches were healthy, sustaining, reproducing, um, <laughs> not sinning, um, not not creating new heresies. So he really needed them to be strong. And on his third missionary journey, he starts getting more strategic. And this is where he heads to Macedonia. He goes to Ephesus. Um, Ephesus was a, a, a metropolis, just a massive city that was very, very well established, had its own entrenched culture, and was kind of like a hub. It had one of the seven wonders of the world in it, being the Temple of Diana. The uh, greatest Diana of the Ephesians, you remember the riot? I've stood in that stadium where Paul was on trial. It's like the flipping um, stadium in Rome. It's it's massive. And there was an upper city of Ephesus, a lower city. I mean, place was dark. You understand that they uh, burned their books of witchcraft and the book of Acts. Like, there's there's still a presence there. I, I hate to put it there. I remember being in a, in a very narrow street that connected the upper and lower city. And I, I'm a little sensitive to, to, to supernatural things. And I, uh, hence my hobgoblin encounter. And I, I remember saying to Andrew, this didn't feel right. Something's, something's not right here. And I turned to the, the tour guide and said, what is this place? And he said, Oh, this was the seat of the city. Um, this is the place in the city where, um, the, the governor would come and sit on a throne and he goes, and it was right there. And he points to the, the top of the street and he goes, see this channel right here. He goes, all the executions and, and the sacrifices for pagan worship for the good of the city were done right here before his seat. And he said, and what would happen is the blood would channel down through here. And I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. Like, like this place was just massive. It was it was crazy. It had a port. There was prostitution. Um, it was just it was it was crazy. And Paul goes, "Hey, I think I'm going to set up a church planning training center here in Ephesus." And of course, if you read um, the Book of Acts, it says in Acts chapter 19 that Paul sets up um, uh, the Hall Tyrannus. He rents it out. And he trains up church planners. It says he lectures daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So as he's doing that during that three-year period, it's the only time where Paul has camped out for more than three to four months at a time, other than when he was locked up in prison. This is the longest time he's ever strategically stayed in one place. And when he does, he trains up. And it, it really, Ephesus becomes the powerhouse of, I mean, really the first century. More so than Antioch, more so than Jerusalem, more so uh, than than any any other place, more so than Corinth. This becomes the missionary powerhouse that he establishes. He spends almost his whole third missionary journey there, and his reason is to reproduce church planters. Hmm. And so that that right there is worth the price of admission. Just knowing that that Paul switched up and thought, hmm, can I be more? Effective, And I, I believe the reason Paul did that was every time he went on a second missionary journey to a new city, a new riot broke out or something happened. 
And here Paul goes, if I just stay put, I don't have to risk getting locked up again. And being locked up will do funny things to you. You think about the freedoms that you don't have. So Paul's like, you know what? It, and I can imagine Paul being really frustrated on the other side of a prison wall because he's thinking, if only I had trained my guys better, it wouldn't matter that I was here locked up. And so Paul begins to spend the next three years of his life training these guys in the field from Ephesus as a hub. So the seven churches of Asia, mentioned this before, but I'll just recap it for the, the basis of our conversation. The seven churches of Asia were actually eight in the beginning. Colossa, remember we had the letter to the Colossians, was the, the eighth church of Asia. But it got destroyed before Revelation was written by a volcano erupting. So what happened was um, when Revelation was written, it was the seven churches of Asia. The reason Jesus addressed Ephesus first was that was the hub. And the other churches, the six churches, were satellites. They were church plants that came out of that three-year period. And it's all backed by scholarship. We don't talk about it. I, I, I can't tell you how many years I struggled through commentaries on Revelation trying to figure out why are the seven churches of Asia grouped together? Why are there only seven? Why They were all church plants out of Ephesus, mystery solved. So the, the reality is that when Paul's looking at um, a training center, he th- there's two elements. There's training, which happens... Uh, you know, when he lectures daily on the Hall of Tyrannus. Um, and then there's field training. So there's there's kind of like classroom, and then there's field. And so Paul sends these guys out. And I, I remember studying the seven churches of Asia, and the way that Jesus um, addresses them is in a clockwise pattern, a spiral, where the, the clockwise pattern, it spirals outward from Ephesus, at a greater distance in a clockwise order. And I remember at the time thinking, huh, that's interesting. Is that just, why would he do that? And and the commentator didn't say, but it just was looking at the map and said, well, you know, seeing these cities on the map, this is how, it was the order of the church planning. They were going further afield and they were moving um, across the map in a big circle going out from Ephesus. So all that to say, um, today, uh, I think that one of the ways that, that we're training planters, which perhaps is not as effective, I, I think we need to have that kind of come to Jesus moment like Paul did, which is, hey, you know, we, we're not as effective as we could be, and we probably need to switch it up and change our training of church planters. So, for example, if, if I train church planners, and I take a church planner, and I take a couple, and I throw money at them, and I train them, and I launch them out. That's fine. But what if, this is what I always dream about, because what I'll do is I'll take, you know, I'll, I'll set guys up to train in cohorts. And cohorts would be like, you got three to five church planners that you train all at once. And when they leave that classroom, they all go to their individual church plan. So let's say I got three to five church plants in a city represented. But what if I took those church planners and instead of shooting them out in three to five separate directions, I shot those church planners out together in the same direction so that leaving the hub or the Ephesus, 
I send all five of those church plants and those church planting teams all to one area. Namely, if Ephesus was my starting point, then I would send all five planter couples to Smyrna. And then once that was done, I leave behind people in Smyrna, maybe one of those planters, and then I take the other four and I launch them out to Pergamum. Now, meanwhile, they I'm planting I'm training more planters in the hub that can be sent out and, and and join the next team. And what I've got is I've got a moving dream team. In fact, going from Acts chapter 19 to l- listen to this. I, I've mentioned this before, but I think this is super powerful. Um, going from let's see, where are we at? Acts 19 to 20. Um, after let's see. Acts chapter 20, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and encouraged him. He said, farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he'd gone through those regions and given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Pater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanying him, and the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secondus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy. Where is he getting all these guys from? Right? Goes on. Tychicus and Trophimus, um, Timothy and the Asians. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away. So here's eight people that Paul, right after his Ephesus hub, he's traveling with. Paul had effectively reproduced himself. And, I mean, that is just fantastic. He is creating a Macedonian team. And then finally, when we hear about all the people in Rome, um, my, my theory is, and I got this a little bit from Frank Viola. When I read Frank Viola's book, um, I think it was like the story unfolds or the unfolding story or something. Um, I had never seen before that, that Paul sent people ahead to Rome before he had ever been there. And that blew my mind. I'm like, well, that's his fourth tactic he employs but where did they come from well they could either be people from his other previous plans or these were people that paul had trained in his third missionary journey so his fourth missionary journey would be going on to spain via rome but i believe he sent these guys out that he trained in the hall of eventually to rome and that's where that's how he knows so many people in rome are you gonna let me talk now Yes. I, I didn't know if this was a lecture podcast or if it was well, an you, interactive you, podcast. You know, I told you I was going to run with that ball. And you, you can see me winding up. As soon as you know, I start saying, and Paul's first missionary, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winding up. <clears throat> when I see you searching the Internet while surfing your Bible on your iPhone all at the same time, I know I'm not getting a word in. For- I didn't surf the Internet. I actually just went on my Bible. I had to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> It's not easy to talk and look for a verse at the same time, I'll have you know. But but you managed to pull it off. I was quite impressed with that. I did. Thank you. Yeah. So um, tell me this. Because, uh, you know, my position is different than yours as far as, you know, uh, what you do in ministry. And I just kind of, you know, look on to, to ministry, if you will. How are you saying that it's being done right now? Because you're saying this is what you think the future should be, I'm assuming is 
one center where you're training up people and then sending them out in the same direction and then get the next group in and send them out in the same direction and create these cohorts. Compare that to what's being done today because I I don't have any frame of reference for that. So <clears throat> so what we're doing right now is we're we're training guys and and our training's not bad. But what we're not doing is training guys bivocationally. So, for example, um, we're not taking guys. There's two things here. Number one, we're, we're training people in a full-time supported funding model. In other words, um, raise support and then go out and, and tear it up. And there's nothing wrong with that because I think there's a time and place for that. But I see it as an oversight that the church, by and large, is not training people to plant bivocationally. And what I mean is we might be talking about bivocationalism, but we're not giving them the skills. I've maintained before on this podcast that the Apostle Paul, when he took him out, he taught him his skill. Um, And people are like, well, how do you know that? Well, they had to eat. And I know that Paul says, I worked with my hands so as not to be a a burden from you or a burden, burden on you. So Paul was not you know, raising support from all these churches, he was, I believe, opening that booth for tent making in the square, and he was training those people with him to do it. So what I think our training needs to do today is we need to train people to be bivocational. So what would an Ephesus center look like? And I've mentioned this before, that um, the thing ahead of the curve for us would be what guys like Brian Sanders and Tampa Underground are doing. And by the way, if you come to Exponential West, um, I'm doing the mobilization track. These are the things I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about these exact things. What's next? What's around the corner? What's ahead of the curve? Where should you be thinking? And I'm talking about, um, I've got Brian coming out as a guest speaker talking about creating a hub, um, creating a community hub. And so what it looks like for me is just in all the planners that I've talked to and the books I've read, I've kind of concocted in my mind an Ephesus style dream center where we train planters by, you know, in the morning and we get them out doing stuff in the afternoon or evening. In other words, field training, actually doing the stuff that we're training them to do community engagement, um, involving uh, themselves in the in the in the rhythms and the flow the ebb and flow of society um, commerce and injecting themselves into the mainstream of society and the way that I would see this let just picture with me all right um, picture like a two story um, warehouse half the size of Walmart picture something like that like a, a, a an office space this is my dream that we would have a let's see um let me let me let me run through the blueprint in my mind here i'm gonna i'm gonna lay out a blueprint of what i think should happen number one we have something that's like let's say like a coffee roasting business guy fans stacking the deck um famous story about a guy who was a coffee roaster who planted churches and he reproduced himself by training guys bivocationally to roast coffee, and then he trained them during the morning to roast coffee, and in the afternoon he trained them to church plant. And when he sent them out all across the United States, and I, one of my friends was trained by him, um, they took their coffee roasters 
and they opened coffee roasting business. If they were in Indiana, um, they went to Indianapolis and did it. If, you know, they started off in sh- the Chicago area and they went all over the United States. You know, maybe a guy goes to Portland, but he, he opens a coffee roasting business in Portland and he, he basically church plants. He's got a place. Now he's got community. He's got a public space to meet and he's got an income. Now, same with Anton Farrow up in Portland. I interviewed him on Hardcore Church Plan a couple weeks ago. If you guys haven't gone over and listened to that, it's fascinating. Anton Farrow, church planner from San Diego, goes up to Portland, opens up a CrossFit gym. CrossFit doesn't meet on Sunday. So guess what? That place is empty. Well, not anymore because Anton's church planting on that Sunday morning. Meanwhile, people are flooding in from his CrossFit uh, into Sunday morning because he's building a relationship and he's got more than enough money to live off of because he now owns a CrossFit gym because he started one up. So these are the things that we need to be training planners to do. So go back to my warehouse idea. Here's this double story, massive building. You've got a CrossFit gym built in. You've got a coffee roaster built in. You've got a health bar mixed in. You've got businesses that are self-sustaining that are generating traffic. On top of that, you've got a public use center that you could do weddings out of. And the place I like to think of, because I live in San Diego, is Stone Brewery. If you've never seen what Stone Brewery did, they took the concept of a beer garden and they blew it up into how could we create the most beautiful public space for our restaurant and, and brewery and generate traffic from all over. I've literally been at airports and met people who said they're making a pilgrimage at Stone Brewery because they heard about it because it's so legendary. So I'm thinking a place like that. You, you do it where people can do weddings. It's absolutely gorgeous. People come in. There's a wow factor. Then you start running out of it. This is all first story, by the way. The wedding center's on the ground. It's got, you know, maybe beautiful uh, windows. You're looking out. So you hold things like Cystic Fibrosis Foundation um, fundraisers. Anything that has to do with an illness that affects kids, you could do AIDS, you could do, you know, you could do anything in this public space. You've got a wedding center. That's going to generate income every single, and, and by the way, if you're a millionaire out there um, and, and you're thinking, I want to get in, involved and fund church planning or what have you, this would be a worthy venture to get behind. Something like this would be a game changer. And so that's that's the kind of deal. You, it's all self-sustaining. None of these businesses are, you know, not currently generating money. These are going to be money makers. But then the point of having people like cystic fibrosis and other other illness um, awareness groups, maybe cerebral palsy or spina bifida or whatever, you're having these people in because there is a tight community amongst these groups, and they ha- they they don't. You know, every bit of money that they spend renting a community center or wherever it is, and and I've been to these because my daughter has both cerebral palsy and spina bifida, um, and there's a strong community there. But it's money. It's money that could have gone to help these kids. You posture yourself in a building like this to say, hey, come meet here. Now you are as this nonprofit, you're not a church. Your church meets there. That's the beauty of it on a Sunday morning. But you've now postured yourself to use this beautiful space to earn the goodwill of the community, just like the book of Acts. You know, they sold their possessions and gave to as many as had need, and they grew daily in the favor uh, with God and man. So here's the deal. You're, you're, 
you're growing in favor on a regular basis because you're serving your community. Now people are drawn to that. They know about it. You reach out to people in the special needs, um, special interest groups, and you start allowing them to use the space. You've now generated traffic there. They realize, man, this is like a community hub. They're going to start calling you before long. Now, here's the other deal is up top um, on the second story, you've got offices. Now, some of these I would use for church planner training space. I would have training rooms. I would have um, offices for, you know, whoever it is that's that's running this thing. And obviously, uh, I work for NAM. Let's say NAM did this. This would be a, we would have NAM offices, but we would also have offices for people in the community. Maybe things like AA or um I'd have things like, uh, you know, uh, Big Brothers of America or, you know, um, think of any of your, you know, we, we could sit here and brainstorm forever. But the, the most genius part is that's only half of the upper story. The other half of the upper story is an iWork um, station, you know, an, an office complex that's public works, the collaborative workspaces. So now you've got your fingers in a huge cross section of the community. Um, you could have after school reading classes there. I mean, you could do anything with a building like this. You've got all the people that are out partying. You're not going to really reach them on a Friday, Saturday night because they're trying to hook up with people and they're getting drunk, but you reach them in the morning when they're trying to hone those abs, right? Get that body, that chiseled look so they can go reach people on the weekends. You're reaching them on the other side. You're reaching on the weekdays in their morning through their blood, sweat, and tears. So you're literally, now you're in the business world as well. Now you're in the workspace because you're creating it. If you could do that, and then you have a church, not not connected with it, but a church that meets there, that people are seeing this advertisement for nonstop, guess what the first churches are going to think of every single time that they need something? Boom, it's going to be you. I want to train church planners to think bigger. This is an Ephesus hub. This is a hall of tyrannous, but if we could train planners to think that way and reproduce that, our church planners, our bivocationals, they'd be learning skills. Hey, you want to go plant? You want to go to Smyrna? Hey, here's a CrossFit gym. Knock yourself out, right? We just trained you how to run a CrossFit gym. Or, hey, you want to go uh, roast coffee? Hey, take your coffee roaster to Thyatira. We just trained you to do that. Hey, you want to start a, a workspace, an iWorkspace? Um, there's a church that NAM uh, helped out. They wanted to do this. You know what the problem was? They didn't think big enough. They did it. It worked so well. They exploded out of their space. And I, I'm just telling you, this stuff works. But each one of these ideas will work. How many church planners could you train in an environment like this? The problem is it takes an investment. But a savvy businessman is going to come in and say, you know what? This is a self-sustaining model here. I like this. Bringing all these together is almost like creating your own little uh, public space, shopping mall, whatever it is. But, I mean, you could play with this and tweak it and get something rad going out of it. Okay. I'm not excited about this at all, Pete. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to get a, a chance to talk again. I'm sorry, man. No, no. I I, I like the idea because it kind of ties in with uh, one of the thoughts that, that I've had for the last several months. You and I have talked about it briefly. 
in uh and then i was really thinking about it a lot this last weekend i would love to have a space where um it had maybe 10 different oh seriously Seriously, Sorry. now you get on I'm the trying, phone. I'm trying to tell my phone to shut up because it's, it's only keeps when calling me. It's only when you're talking. I gotta pay attention. But as soon as I come, <laughs> I'm on, paying attention. You're on the phone. Sorry, I don't feel the love, man. I know. No phones at the table. No phones at the table. Let's I'm listening. Get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> my phone won't shut up. It, it, no joke. No joke. You know, I have my tortoise, right? I didn't so know yesterday we found a tortoise in the road again, and so I have someone else's tortoise, and they keep calling me. Hey, you have my tortoise. Three dollars. <laughs> Give my tortoise. And, I, and I'm like, shut up, phone. So, <laughs> they sorry. keep calling me because I have their tortoise. <laughs> There's a line that's never been said in the history of the English language before. <laughs> you have my tortuga. You're the first. How awesome is that? They keep hey, calling man, me I'm because I have their tortoise. Hey, I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> Give me my tortuga. No, anyway, back to what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. So I'd love to have a space, and I was thinking about this, of uh, where you could have 10 individual rooms, uh, preferably with their own bathrooms, um, where, like, Bivo pastors could stay at it and go to a training. So let's say we were putting on, like, we've got an event coming up in October where we're, you know, inviting in all of our Bivo pastors who are in the BivoWinnerCircle.com, and uh, we're going to be doing a training with them for over two days. And I'd love to have that kind of a facility where, one, we could do more trainings more often. Two, if it was in a destination location, uh, near a lake, near the ocean, for a lot of our Bible pastors, they can't afford to go on vacation. But this could be like a mini trip for, you know, uh, them and their spouse. Come on out, you know, get refreshed, have a, you know, a mini vacation. Do you know who did that? You know who actually did oh, that a exact lot of people, thing? I'm sure who've done it. It's not like a unique John idea. Wesley. Oh, did he? So John Wesley. Okay, so Whitfield planted a church in Bristol, and um, or at least was the the pastor. I don't know if he actually planted it or not. They were they were hardcore Anglicans. So he was he was the pastor there. And when he left for America, he handed it over to Wesley, and Wesley. Um, turned it into, they, they called the meeting rooms. So check this out, right? Um, the, the main church was on the second story. Um, it was a three story. So the crown level was stables, horse stables, because he had a circuit riders. So what he would do is you could come here on the second, this is when he built it. This is how he designed it. Second story was the giant chapel, right? That's where everyone went to church. The third story was um, a common hall, and I've, I've been in this, still there in Bristol. Um, there was all these bedrooms all around this common meeting space on the third floor, and it was called the meeting rooms. And that's where he would bring his circuit riders in to train them and then send them out. It was rad. And yeah. look at the Methodists. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, there's something in this. We've got to do something better. So if I'm allowed to talk again, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, let me think about it. <laughs> How long is it going to be? And Well, now it's going to be really quick because, <laughs> one, we're out of time. And, and all right. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was just I, – I, so what if we took your idea 
of the marketplace. And I don't think you could do all of these. Like, I don't think you could do CrossFit with this, but you buy a hotel and you do it in the hotel. You know, hotels always have that first floor where they've got different meeting rooms. Um, You would have the facilities where people could uh, stay. You could have the meeting room for the church. I mean, you could do all that stuff in a hotel building that you convert, maybe update to have some of this idea. Absolutely. Dude, I'd be so rad. So if you've got a hotel, man, if you've got a hotel and would like to donate it to the uh, to this idea, Peyton's got a nonprofit. He can take it. Preferably in Southern California, because Pete and I, we don't like to travel that. <laughs> yeah, much, we want so. people to come to us. So if you could do it like somewhere between Long Beach and Oceanside, that would be even better. Could could you sell your hotel and then buy us one here? Oh, there you go. I like that. You know, and uh, I'm if you do that, that'll take the burden off Pete because I'm still waiting for him to buy me a charger. Did you know that's the joke? What? When when I'm talking to people nowadays, has Pete bought you a charger yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. Supposedly my best friend and everything, but he hasn't bought me a charger yet. Gosh. Do you know how cheap that is? I could buy you a charger, no problem. Well, dude, my, my truck's getting tired, man. I just, I'm just I, saying. I just do a lease for you though. I'm not gonna buy it. Heck yeah, man. You know, lease is a way to go. I'm starting to I'm starting to move that way, brother. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I told you for the almost the same price I'm paying for yeah. my charger, I could lease the Hellcat. Would you wait? Oh, are you serious? Yes. Wait. Okay, so you know what's gonna make that hurt more? Is when down the road you're all paid off, but your repairs on your car. You're like, dude, I might as well be leasing right no. now. I'm still paying. That won't happen with my cars. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't drive enough. Yeah, I I've only put on three thousand fifty miles since I bought my Dude, car. It was it was planting in Long Beach. It killed me, brother. That's all. I'm oh saying. my gosh! With oh, that and drive? all the drives up to Oregon, I do. Yeah, I don't know how you do that, especially with little kids. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. But after they, our they, last they vacation, well. after our last vacation, Jamie and I are seriously thinking about boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't That's send the so kids, rad. we might be going to boarding school. <laughs> That's hey, all I'm Luke, saying. you know what you like? The military. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little uh, school called Greenbrier. <laughs> Takes children from ages four and up. Oh makes them into soldiers. So uh, I know that because that's where my grandpa went at four. Well, that's awesome. Uh, any uh, final comments from you on your your topic today? Okay, just to recap today, um, Paul, third missionary journey, Ephesus hub, uh, John Wesley, Hellcat, and Luke going to military school. Mm. Great summary. Great summary. Well, you know, another really cool thing I think you could do with like this model where you've got a bunch of rooms and some community centers. Um, one of the offices you would not actually need is one for the accountant. Wow. Why not, Pete? Because surely a, that's important. There's a great organization called SimplifiedChurch.com. Josh Henry over there. And they could take care of all your accounting needs. They could take care of payroll. They could take care of everything for you. What about my IRS compliancy? They keep you out of jail. What? I'm telling you. There's another room I don't need to put in this thing. SimplifiedChurch.com. Although, you know, if we built one, we would totally put a jail in it because that's just super cool. I don't know. <laughs> you wouldn't put a jail in it? No. And here's my jail. Yeah. Do you know how many people you would keep out of your building then? Because they would be having flashbacks. I know. I know. That's true. 
And but what we would need, Pete, is a secret compartment. Well, there's we'd definitely like going to be a bookcase be... that moves. Oh, absolutely. And and we'd have to do it like Batman. And on you... the third or the fourth level, wherever our offices are, because we're going to have offices there, there needs to be a giant slide that goes all the way down around yes. the building, down the first floor. But it's hidden. Okay, so you don't. So know. no joke, no joke. I might be getting a slide installed for <laughs> yeah, my daughter. No and and we wouldn't have to pay for it. I'm not kidding. Because of the therapy, it it actually is is a possibility that we might get a funded slide for my daughter. And you know it's going to be big enough for me. Pepe is going to go down that thing. I'm just saying. And I think wouldn't there needs be to rad? be underground parking that the slide ends up going into. Uh, so here's the deal. I'll make a deal. Slide. You put a fire pole in your house, but you only have a single story. Build build a room and then put a fire pole in it, and I'll get a slide, and we can take turns. How about a, a fireman's pole from the fourth story? Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. You'd kill yes, yourself. Yes, I can. You could kill I've yourself. Actually never, I've down. never gone down a fireman's pole, but I will tell you one thing. I've been 30 feet up on a fireman's ladder, and that's no fun, brother. I got to tell you, that's no fun. I've had to I've had to carry a dummy. A weighted dummy down one of those things, and it is freaky as we, heck. You got. We started watching uh, uh, Vanilla Ice Project this last weekend because there was nothing on TV. Have you ever seen yeah. that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it either before this weekend. So uh, I won't give the whole show, but basically they're fixing up this home, turn it into like this VIP home, and they put this really cool elevator that's like. It you it's like a vacuum tube elevator because it doesn't need all the machinery. It just uses air to like go up and down. Nice. And all Vanilla Ice does the whole show is like says really corny things like, "Oh, they just dropped it like it's hot." <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Man. Are you serious, dude? Every time they drop a wall, he drops so it like I it's wanna, hot. If if I want to learn to talk, cool. I should watch that show. Yeah, pretty much. And adopt everything he says. That's that's pretty much the oh, ticket. Pete, you dropped that. Uh, simplified church ad like it was hot. How am I doing? I like it. I like okay, it. Okay, cool. I'll work on it a bit. All right. Well, hey guys, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining us for a a, a strange episode, really yeah, to say the least. Pretty much. Um, Pete, Pete and I haven't talked for a while. I was training all last week in uh, San Diego, so we haven't really talked. So there, there was a little smack talk sandwich, a little in the beginning, a lot on the beginning, a little bit on the end. And uh, this is what happens. We don't get to talk. Hobgoblin. <laughs> oh, it's a hobgoblin. That should be a new soundbite. <laughs> I just have this vision of your daughter with her hair out like that. Oh, my gosh, dude. It was so funny. I felt so bad I made her cry. But I, 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 I jumped and screamed. and Something similar happened with Luke this weekend where he wakes up really early and he got a brand new toy and he couldn't get like this one piece out. I'm still asleep. And he, Jamie's in the shower and he comes over to me and like, he's three inches away from my face. And he's like, <laughs> he wakes me up. I don't know what he says. He's like, I couldn't get this out. And I just like, wah. And I happened to drop a, a four letter word. Cause I just was all Whoopsie. of a sudden, I was like, what the, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. I know. I know about you from other stories that waking you up, Startling you awake is hey, not a good thing. Whatever comes out of my mouth, when you shine a flashlight in my eyes at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, I'm sorry. That I, it's it's an involuntary response. 
Thanks, Mom. But you know what? When your mom's gone, you're going to miss that. I'm, I'm just going to miss the flashlight and yeah. the eyeballs at you're gonna miss that. 3 o'clock in the morning. All right. Well, hey, guys, this has been Peyton and Pete Mitchell. Now, Peyton Jones, I should, you know, it's not like we're a couple or anything, but I make it weird. Um, Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Is this Pete Mitchell? This is Nigel calling for Pete Mitchell. Pete, it's Nigel. Please call me back. It's important that I speak with you, Pete. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.